0: Pop Culture Affidavit, Episode 6, Once More, Into the Geek. Hang on, hang on, type... Hello, and welcome to the sixth episode of Pop Culture Affidavit, a podcast that looks at, well, just about everything random in the world of popular culture. Uh, I'm your host, Tom Paneris. I don't really have much of a format for today's uh, show. Uh, Usually, I grab a movie or a a comic or a book or something, and talk about it but i'm kind of i'm not flying completely blind here i do have notes but they're not like the insanely detailed notes i usually have for something like this um or most i mean a little peek behind the curtain here most of the time when i'm recording this these episodes i'm actually kind of reading off a script that i've written because it's just a little easier for me to do that um maybe as i get more experience podcasting uh because i've only been doing this for like four or five months maybe when I get more experience doing this, I'll be able to kind of podcast with the seat of my pants a little more, but I usually need notes uh, to to work with here. So anyway, today I figured I'd, you know, since it's the very first uh, podcast for the new year for Pop Culture Affidavit, uh, we had uh, two episodes in December because I had the soundtrack for The End of the World, uh, plus the G.I. Joe one, which I really, really enjoyed doing, but I thought I'd do sort of a hey, what's going on, what am I doing, what am I looking forward to this year uh, type of thing, very, very similar to what I did in my very first episode, Geek Yourself 2012, where I talked a little bit about t- 2012, I did a whole thing at the Baltimore Comic Con, which I had been to, and, and what have you. So that's kind of where I'm going with today, uh, and uh, hopefully it will be worth listening to. To start off, though, I do have an email uh, from Chris Keith. Chris also, as he even says, he says I emailed you previously for taking flight, and he had he has emailed me about taking flight. Uh, it seems really, uh, just really, really nice person, and, uh, and and I'm glad he's been. I'm glad he's been emailing. Uh, but he I, this dropped in my email inbox uh, just yesterday, just the other day, um, as I was getting ready to record. Uh, I, Greetings, Tom. I had emailed you previously for taking flight, and when I heard that you had this podcast as well, I decided to give it a shot. I'm really glad that I did. I just finished episode three, and while I was still in the process of writing to you about episode two and it, I couldn't resist skipping ahead and giving some feedback on this GNR episode. Uh, Episode three, by the way, was about uh, November Rain. That's the title of his, uh, the the subject of of his email. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I'm only a couple of years older than you, I think. I'll be 38 in February, and you're right. I'll be 36 in June, uh, Chris. So this song and the album were right at the tail end of my high school experience. I was listening to this episode last night and thought, no way Tom is going to play the whole song. Played the whole song. Awesome. I hadn't listened to the whole song in, the whole thing in forever. And I forgot how the song just captures an era. I was always a GNR fan back in the day. Well, as much as a clean-cut suburban kid from Rowlett, Texas could be into a metal band. I finally saw them in concert with Metallica and Faith No More in 1992 at the old Texas stadium that is now a parking lot. Uh, It's still the coolest concert I have ever seen. I never, and have never since, been to a concert where the opening act was not booed off the stage, but encouraged to get off the stage until they left to allow Metallica to give us two and a half hours of awesomeness. Granted, I look like a narc at the show, but that is my lot in life. GNR closed the show with an epic performance, and if you have ever heard Slash play the solo on "Rain," and slip into the Godfather theme, yeah, wow. That's pretty sweet. That does sound pretty sweet. Okay, as far as this episode itself, loved it. Anytime you want to break out the keyboard, you do it, sir. It was funny. When you get to the guitar solo portion of the song, I couldn't help but think that instead of a rock song, this part almost sounds or feels like a march. As an old marching band geek from high school, I always appreciate when a rock song could translate into something that we could play in the stands. As I said... I have an it email that I need to finish, not a treatise on the subject, more of an a hey-you-had-a-similar-experience-as-me story. I'm really enjoying both shows, and I'm eagerly looking forward to episode 4. I really enjoy the format of the show talking about topics you want to discuss. Without a set format, makes the show incredibly enjoyable. Also, I'm sure that someone has to have told you you have a radio voice. That is a compliment, by the way, and it's the mark of an excellent podcast to that. That I add your shows to my playlist while I run or work out. Yes, I'm one of those, I used to be a doughy guy, people who just who run just a little too much. Instead of listening to music, I listen to podcasts. So, along with the Leylands, Two Freaks, etc., your show is an exalted position in my playlist as I tortured myself through mile after mile. Thanks for an excellent show and all your efforts, Chris Keith. P.S. Silverado, check it out. Aside from Naked Kevin Klein, Man Ass is an excellent movie. Um, yeah, I might check out Silverado. I, I've heard very, very good things about it. And Chris, thank you for the for the kind words. Um, I, I I enjoy doing this show because it just the the randomness of it kind of gives me the the freedom to kind of do what I want with it. And uh, it, it, what's really cool is and, and having listened to a lot of podcasts, uh, especially two true freaks um and and just about anything that that michael bailey has put together because i started listening to all that because of from crisis to crisis that was kind of my gateway drug into all of these um when i got an ipod a few years ago for the first time and you know was like hey i'll check out podcasts i remember coming across fctc Probably on the Superman homepage because I was probably looking for a comic book podcast. And I was like, "Oh, it's Superman, what have you?" and This looks interesting, and and then he would mention every once in a while bins and views, and then it just kind of snowballed from there. And then and then he mentioned hey Kids Comics, and there's a couple of others that I listen to. Just one of the guys, which I've really really been enjoying. I'm about I'm roughly fifteen episodes behind on just one of the guys, but uh, I, I really love that uh, Batman to Oracle. Back girl to Oracle the Barbara Gordon podcast uh, which is done by Stella who I just started listening to and I'm roughly about an episode behind I, I tend to fall behind on podcasts um, because of the fact that uh, I also I always don't have a lot of time to do that and some of these guys especially two true freaks put out a lot and um, thankfully they're not all topical so I, I don't feel like I'm missing anything a lot of times when i when I uh, when I skip an episode or two. Um, I was on the non-comic side for a little while listening to Smodcast, but but ditched that because I just... Kevin Smith was wearing on me. I did pick up the Fat Man on Batman podcast, at least listened to the Mark Hamill episodes, which were outstanding and fascinating uh, and loved it. Um, and I... uh. What else have I been listening to? Oh, I was listening to uh, WTF, uh, What the Fuck, with Mark Marin. Uh, I actually unsubscribed because I had something on the order of like 20 episodes that I hadn't gotten around to, and I had started to kind of pick and choose who I wanted to listen to. Um,. I'm kind of back and forth with it. I really, really, really love it. I just never have the time. And so sometimes what I'll do is I'll just pick and choose somebody who looks interesting to me or one of his live shows. Because, um, with that podcast, usually it's a guy and Marin in the garage talking for about an hour. Uh, he recently had Michael Keaton on and that was a great, great episode. Uh, he talks a little bit about be being Batman. um, But when Marin does a live show, he has like four or five people on, and it's uh, it's very very talk show where they kind of slide down the couch and they sit. It it is really really funny, uh, especially when he answers emails about people who have weird dreams about him and, and what have you. Uh, that's a really good podcast worth listening to. Uh, beyond that, I'm trying to think of what else do I listen to in the podcasting world. The Story Song Podcast, by the way, m- people who, uh, people like music, people like randomness in music, uh, this is one to listen to. Uh, three people take a look at, and it's it's a very structured podcast, they take a look at a song that tells a story, they go through the story of the song verse by verse and do their commentary, then they do a little bit of the history behind the song, and then they do what they call lessons learned, and it each episode runs roughly 30 to 45 minutes it's not a long show they have done some hilarious hilarious episodes a lot of 70s stuff because there were a lot of 70s songs story songs uh but that's a really really funny one and then another one that i listen to because i'm from new york and really do i'm i just have an interest in in it is is uh called the bowery boys it's a new york city history podcast which is um every episode which is uh, maybe twice a month or once a month uh two guys take a look at one piece of new york city history and they give you a whole rundown and those tend to run about 45 minutes to an hour um if it's a solo show uh it it runs about a half an hour so it's not a very long piece but um, i love it because i i I just, I've been more and more interested in, in local New York City history uh, history of Long Island from Long Island and, and, and that sort of thing uh, to the point where there's a Facebook group that just started out called Long Island and NYC places that are no more and these people keep posting pictures to it and it's it's amazing just to see old New York and old pictures of, and I'm not just saying like through the 19th century but like I have an interest in sort of post-war 50s, 60s like madman era New York City as well uh Mainly because that's when my parents grew up. My grandmother moved out to the burbs. My grandparents moved out to the burbs at post-war, and it just it, there's a lot of family history there. So it's kind of it's an extension since I haven't been able to find out a lot about my family dating back before the twenties. Um, it's it's a good way to, for me to catch up on that. Anyway, um, but my what was my point? Oh, um, I love. Listening to all these podcasts... See, I told you this was going to be a rambling, tangent-filled episode. Um, because I'm not, I am not—I don't have any notes. Uh, because of these podcasts, and a lot of them are around the same age, maybe slightly older, because Honeywell and Gardner over at Teacher Freaks are 10 years old, about a decade. I was thinking they got me beat by about a decade. I want to say that I graduated high school in 95. So they graduated, I want to see like 85, 86. Um, but we're all rough I mean you're 38 Chris and we're all roughly the same age and um, Mike Bailey and I it's almost like a running joke now between us it's like the sort of running gag that we have the same childhood Um, because he'll reference like he'll reference but Bailey will reference movies and TV shows and stuff and I'll be like yeah I I totally remember that and uh, I'll reference stuff and he'll sort of remember that in fact he had that that it was a couple of years ago now, but that whole My Life in Comics Collecting uh, series that he did his biography you know, year by year, and I sat and listened to that, uh, and, and I think this is what got me hooked on views, because I was listening to that as I was shoveling, like I was buried under like three feet of snow twice over the course of that kind of winter, um, and I'd shovel snow. It would take me like a good four hours to shovel my driveway, because of just all the snow involved. And um, I was just li- I would just listen to these episodes, and I would sit there and go like I remember that I remember that and and, and him, you know him being only a year older than me, and like I said, you're about two years older than me, Chris. It it's just one of those things that I love because um, I love geeking out and I love talking about the stuff. I'm, I'm a big fan of the nostalgia, and I and I have this sort of the re- one of the reasons I started the blog and I started the then by extension the podcast is that. I have this sort of, if not a love for, just this odd way of remembering random, random crap. Like, you know, TV shows that were syndicated on like, um, up in up in New York, it would have been WPIX or WWOR Channel 9, or to less an extent, WNYW, but by the time I was in like element, late elementary, junior high school, uh, that was the Fox affiliate already. But I would have watched this stuff because hey, i didn't have cable as a kid uh so i didn't get like you know mike talks about hbo and and those movies that were just always on all the time and just got a lot of hbo play um i had the similar experience with pix uh channel 11 in new york city uh long island before it became the wb because they would show movies if they weren't showing yankee games they would prob- they would show a movie just about every night and especially on weekends and sometimes they'd show really really cool action horror and and teen comedies and uh stuff like that you know like i would see the uncensored i would see the censored versions on tv and if i liked it enough i'd go to the video store and actually rent it and then watch the uncensored version which is what i did with the breakfast club which is one day i will sit down and i will talk john hughes if not with somebody else but then by myself because um, The Breakfast Club is my favorite non-Star Wars movie of all time uh, and uh, it is my favorite movie of all, all time but I have to kind of set the trilogy aside as sort of a separate category uh, but yeah, I'd listen to this and, and and his stuff and maybe Scott and Chris talk about stuff and I'm like, yeah, I remember that sort of stuff and then the stuff that they remember that I don't or they had experience and I don't I love listening to because it's just like another perspective from another person um the types of stories I've always been interested in uh this is what happens when you take writing classes in college and you read personal stories as opposed to and I've read my fair share of classic literature but you know uh there's there's something to be said about that that first person narrative so thank you Chris thank you for the email thank you for the compliments and thank you for uh for saying I have a voice for radio uh, I I may have mentioned this once I think I did mention this in the previous episode but I remember applying for a possible radio station job at my college but the station never got off the ground because the funding fell out the bottom fell out of the funding at the time and now I believe Loyola actually has a radio station but um, yeah in fact in a novel I was writing it has not been published yet because it it is still being edited. Uh by me, not by anyone. I'm an agent, uh, unfortunately. Uh I had a character be a DJ. So um I guess I kind of always wanted to do that. Uh I, I'm a teacher. I think that's one of the other reasons I, I not that I'm like, ooh, I have a great public speaking voice. But one of the reasons I'm kind of practiced at this is that I am a teacher. I teach I teach high school English, tenth grade specifically. I'm also a yearbook advisor. Uh so I get a lot of practice speaking to people and lecturing to people and lecturing at people. Um, so that's, that's where I can sit down. And and a lot of times, like I said, I tend to script these things out. And a lot of the reasons I script these things out when I do these podcasts is because I don't have a lot of time to record very often, uh, between teaching yearbook advising and having a five-year-old son and then wanting to have a life, uh, you know, being married. (laughs) Um, I fit in the podcasting windows when I can, uh, and so if I write it all down and I'm just kind of reading and ad-libbing here and there, it goes. the recording goes by quicker and then I can edit when, when I'm able to. Uh, maybe in future episodes, like I said, I'd love to have other people on or be on other podcasts. Um, I've been on one and it was really, really fun. I'd love to do it again. It's just, again, finding the time and, and, and hopefully as the kind of the year goes by, uh, my schedule will work out. Uh, right now, I'm... Doing my best to make sure I do get content out because I am in the middle of uh, deadline hell with yearbook. If you if you if you know anybody who who is a teacher, you know that they're very often. You know, I'm not going to get into the whole "woe is me, I'm a teacher, I work very hard for little pay" thing. Uh, but like in the last week, my grades were due, so that took a lot of my time. But one of the other things is being a yearbook advisor is um, you're producing your entire yearbook within the span of maybe like six months, as opposed to the entire year. Uh you know, I go in um I go in the the very, very end of the previous year and we do a lot of coverage of spring stuff. My staff sits down and we, we come up with ideas for theme and cover and how we want next year's book to look. And then over the summer uh my editors and I attend a workshop. We call it yearbook camp. A three or four day workshop at a college campus uh local to here which actually it's james madison university which is over about an hour away over the mountains from where i live i'm i'm i am just north i am in Rockersville, virginia i am just north of charlottesville like literally like 10 minutes from downtown charlottesville 10 miles from downtown charlottesville 10 15 20 minutes depending on traffic uh i teach uh about 10 minutes away from where I live, and then if you go another, say, 45 minutes to an hour over the Blue Ridge Mountains into what is Harrisonburg, Virginia, um, you have JMU, James Madison University. If you go about 10 miles, 15 minutes south of me into down into the middle of Charlottesville, you are at my wife's alma mater, and actually she currently works there because she works at the School of Business um, as, a, as a career counselor, uh, the University of Virginia. Uh, so I'm kind of in the middle of the whole central Virginia founding fathers area and what have you. And uh, we go over to GMU every uh, July to do a three or four day workshop where we sit down and I'm not kidding, geek the hell out about your book for a few days. You take classes on photography and layout and design and marketing. And I teach uh, sessions on the online design component. And then we, we develop theme. We come up with cover, sit down a cover artist and, and and have you know, really really have a lot of fun with it because it's like people who love to do this stuff. We come back in August and we get the new staff and we just hit the ground running and we have a deadline um, of April. I think it's April fifth or sixth this year, uh, which is right around my school's spring break and the end of the third quarter of the year. So you're talking August to April uh, with all the breaks and stuff thrown in. August meaning like late August. So it's almost September April, which is a tighter window to produce what, what's eventually like 100. For us, it's 176 pages, which actually is a smaller-sized yearbook, uh, to produce all that. Writing, design, layout, photography, all that. Student produced, advisor produced, I edit, and what have you. And, and right now, I'm in the middle of like, okay, this deadline's coming up, this deadline's coming up, this deadline's coming up, and hopefully before uh, before I, I leave... Uh, for spring break will be all done and i can just kind of relax a little bit but it it becomes overwhelming at points um by the way if you're if you're if you remember anything about your high school yearbooks and i love how i'm talking about yearbooks on a pop culture podcast if you remember anything about yearbooks you remember in in a lot of yearbooks and people i went to high school with um if any of you are listening because you're probably not um if any of you remember that all of the 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 previous year's spring crap, like last year's baseball team, last year's softball team, last year's prom and graduation, were like in your yearbook. The reason for that is is a print. It's a print thing. The print deadline for most yearbooks that when you get your yearbook in June, the print deadline was April because there's at least a four to six week turnaround time uh, for printing for for finalizing and printing the book so you can't cover prom and graduation. Now the first school I worked at uh, up in Fredericksburg, Virginia, had what we used to do was called a supplement which instead of putting last year's stuff in this year's book, what we would do was put this 20 page thing together. You would get it in the fall and you kind of tape it into your yearbook. It was the had adhesive thing on the back and you tape it in the yearbook. Um, but that that's The answer to the original question: Why is last year's graduation in our yearbook? It has to do with the print deadline, and I've explained it too many times to count, and I still get why is last year's so. But that's work, and work kind of gets in the way of this sometimes. But but I uh, I have some I have some interesting stuff planned for this year. Um, I thought what I'd do is is go through um, some of the stuff that I've been reading, some of the stuff that I've been watching and, uh, what's coming up in 2013, both in terms of Taking Flight, uh, which is my other podcast, which is about Robin and Nightwing, and in terms of, um, this one. I had a a pretty good Christmas. It wasn't as geeky as it usually is. I got some, you know, I, I got some cool stuff. Um, my son got a animatronic Yoda. Like, it's a stuffed Yoda, and you press its hand, and it, and it talks, and the mouth moves, and it's hilarious. Um... I got uh, I got a Kindle Fire HD. That was like my big big gift, and uh, also got an MP3 recorder uh, to replace my old because I had a tape recorder. I had an old micro cassette recorder that I got back in 1994 when I started journalism class in high school, and uh, then went on to journalism college. So I got a fair amount of use for it, uh, but I was. Uh, I was I was psyched I got that cuz I was bummed last year that I couldn't do anything live with the Baltimore Comic Con even if it was you know me doing this sort of thing in the car and and, and kind of talking about it but um I decided uh I was like oh well, I want one and I got one for Christmas and uh that'll be pretty cool that'll be pretty cool to use uh for for some stuff here and there but I got um I got a couple of uh, got a couple of things here and there I haven't you know i haven't really uh we got a blu ray player and we have a we have a new tv and um i rent a lot of stuff i don't really buy a lot of movies anymore because um money being one thing uh you know and then space to store it being other things i'm like well you know having having a netflix subscription has really really helped there because uh i can get stuff that I wouldn't have been able to find at the video store. Video stores around here uh, really are almost non-existent at this point. Um, Blockbuster's gone. There was a movie gallery up here, which is gone. Hollywood Video's gone. Um, there is a one video store down in Charlottesville called Sneak Previews, which I believe is a mom and pop place, and it must. It, which seriously. I think it's still open and if it is it's an endangered species at this point um, I've never actually been in there because it's a it's a long drive but what I like about Netflix is um, is that I can just order up random stuff I also use it as a tax deduction because I'll show movies in class so I, I, declare, I declare my Netflix subscription on my taxes because I can deduct up to $250 of my teaching expenses so, um, but no, because for instance, like uh, my my English class just did uh, All Quiet on the Western Front, and I show uh, Paths of Glory, which is the Kirk Douglas a Kirk Douglas movie directed by Stanley Kubrick from about 1957. Uh, instead of showing the straight up adaptation, because what I like to do with my classes sometimes is show something that is similar in theme or similar in topic and discuss it that way instead of like, oh, here's the book for, here's the movie version of the book. Um, uh, and and I actually, later in the year, will show American Graffiti because uh, the 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 book that they read over the summer, that advanced English class that I have, a lot of them go on to 11th grade AP English, and they read one of my favorite. The other war novel that I love, I love All Quiet on the Western Front, and the other war novel that I love is The Things They Carried by Tim O'Brien, which is about the Vietnam War. And uh, I show American Graffiti as a way to show them, you know, these are these kids before they went. This is... And and this is American teenage culture. Uh, And, and, you know... um, And this is Lucas making a good freaking movie. (laughs) I, you know, I love Star Wars. Um, I have loved Star Wars since I was four years old. I used to keep a... record a tally of how many times i had watched star wars and um i love that movie but i just uh, there are some times when i'll watch american graffiti and i really need to get that on a dvd and blu-ray i only have it on vhs uh when i watch that movie and i'm like this is a better film and i don't know maybe it's the genre maybe it's the way he tells the story um but I, I absolutely love that movie. And then, I of course, I follow it up with Days and Confused, which is one of my favorite movies of all time because it's just such a fucking good movie. Um, and, and I remember having to describe it to a couple of students. They were like, what's American Graffiti? I was like, well, have you seen Days and Confused? They were like, yeah. I was like, well, this is the same movie. It's just set earlier. It came out earlier. It, it's set in the 60s. Uh, and essentially, Days and Confused is American Graffiti. It's just set in 76 instead of 62. Um, but I really am... Uh, you know, I I try to do that with movies, because I'm a big, I I am a movie, movie fan, in fact, my students must be getting tired of the random ass pop culture references, and movie references, and TV references that I throw into talking about stuff, um, which is funny, because I really haven't watched a lot of movies or TV lately, um, I was, uh, I, I, I've seen some of Arrow, and I've really, really liked it. I've seen like the first couple episodes. I've been watching it online here and there, but I just, again, finding the time to sit down and watch it, or remembering to find the time to sit down and watch it, it's almost like I have to write up a schedule. Uh, I was watching Revolution. I've really liked that. I'm, f- I, it's, it's off the air right now because it's on a, it's on a hiatus until maybe later in the spring or something. Um, I have like. Five episodes, four or five, six episodes left before I hit that fall finale. Um, because the last episode I think I watched was the one with the train, uh, which was meh. Um, but I will say that that show was way better than I expected. Um, I kept seeing clips for Revolution during the Olympics. Um, uh, and all I could think about was that. NBC show that came out a couple of years ago called The Event, and they were like hyping that thing. And even like when you see something and you're like, NBC, no, you're trying too hard. This is gonna suck ass. And from what I heard, it did. I never really watched it. Um, and it it tanked. And it it, it was an alien invasion, but it was just again, it was one of those attempts to kind of recapture what J.J. Abrams had with Lost, but um a lot of the Lost clones that had come around at the end of, uh, you know, toward the end of that show's run, shows like, I was like, The Nine, and, oh, there were a few others that I, that are blanking on me right now. It's almost like they took too long to get the story, because at least with the first few episodes of Lost, stuff happened. They didn't start off with a mystery. Um, it was really a matter of survival and establishment of character and that sort of stuff, and then the whole overarching Dharma initiative all the major sci-fi elements of all of it um, really didn't start to take hold until you got at least one season under their belt where the whole mythology of the show was developed even further out Um, yeah there there were those elements in the first season that suggested that there's more to this than meets the eye but at the same time they didn't come off with the first episode and say, oh wait, there's a bigger mystery and we'll eventually get to it. Um, And some of those other shows did and I think that's why they tanked, because it's like, you know, I don't want to know that I have to commit to a show from the first moment, the first episode. I don't want a show that says, okay, you're on the show, now it's a commitment, now you have to lock in. The pilot of a show should be kind of a very should be very tight because you're trying to sell the show anyway. Um Revolution starts off with yes, there's an overarching mystery, overarching mystery of why did the lights go out and all that like I said, if if I if if it's been revealed yet I don't know because I'm I'm a few episodes behind. Um but at least that premise is simple enough and you you get some character development now there's things about that show the girl the girl on the show is i I like the the i like the fact that they obviously were taking cues from the hunger games when they when they helped develop it and what have you because they want the strong female lead i I always I, i do appreciate a strong female lead she is a little bit whiny at times um but again uh they've got a solid villain uh they've got some really solid solid stories under their belt um and hopefully they can kind of keep it going, uh, and not have it, like, you know, sputter out the way Heroes did, uh, which was the last big show that NBC kind of really had as far as a serial like that. Um, I'm still hanging on to How I Met Your Mother, um, which is becoming, like, almost like Latter-day Friends at this point, where you're still watching it to a certain extent just because you've been watching it for so long you want to see how this ends. Um, I agree with a lot of fans that the best years of that show is, are behind them, but I still care about those characters enough to see what's going on. I still like Ted. Um, I still find Robin... I, I have a thing for Colby Smulders. I just have to say that. So when she was in The Avengers, I was like, hello... Um, but, um, you know, that show. That show's still going. And, and it still has its moments. It still has its little things that remind you of why that show was so good when you were watching it. Um, I will admit that I don't watch The Big Bang Theory. Um, I know people who are like, oh, you have to watch that. You know, and I've seen bits and pieces of it, and I kind of side with, with what Mike Bailey was saying on one episode about that. Maybe a couple other guys were about how they seem to be making fun of the geek culture or just kind of perpetuating stereotypes um, instead of just kind of presenting it for what it is. My, I have to say, one of my favorite moments of sort of geek culture in, in a show that was on regularly uh, it happened back when I was a teenager. When on this one season, and the one season I really watched... And look forward to regularly of this show uh, more than any others. And then anytime any time I would catch it in reruns. I try to like watch every episode of the season, which was Roseanne. Um, there's a season I don't remember what number season it is. It's the very early in the very early nineties where Dan's at the the end of the previous season. Dan's bike shop had failed, um, or that's when it fails. The the bills, you know, Roseanne. He's out of a job. Roseanne's doing her best to keep things together. Um, Becky runs off with Mark. There's a couple of really great episodes where, like, I think it's like the season premiere where where um, where Roseanne uh, they can't pay the bills and the lights are turned off, and uh, later in that later in that um, season you have this great two-parter where Jackie's boyfriend is is abusing her and, and Dan beats the crap out of him um, I remember just how well that was being done it didn't seem that sort of very special episode it was the, she always kept that show straightforward and, and if I find reruns on it I might watch it again because now I kind of want to um, and I think later in that season was when they got that loose meat sandwich shop, the, the Sloppy Joe place, uh, the Landford Lunchbox, I think it was called, uh, and things, that's how they kind of started to turn things around, and it was, the development of the characters in that show, in that season, what have you, it was very real, it was, there was something very organic about it, and, and I've always liked that show, um, and the one thing I remember is, um, they did introduce kind of a foil for, for Darlene who is becoming like a high school student teenager at that point. Um, because they had like the two neighbor girls and one of them was played by Danielle Harris, who Halloween fans will really know. She's kind of one of those screen queens. I remember having a huge crush on her when I was in high school. Um, cause she was just very cute. I remember, um, she played the kind of rebel daughter of the guy next door who I want to say was played by like Wings Hauser. uh, Who's one of those actors who shows up like all the time? And the guy's name is Wings. I want to say it was him, or it was somebody who looked like him. Anyway, Darlene. Th- th- what they did with Darlene was uh, something that they they needed to do, which was age her enough because because uh, Michelle, uh, not Michelle, uh, Sarah Gilbert was growing up. She was becoming, you know, she was in her teens, and uh, they did not fall into the trap. That family ties fell into with Tina Yothers where they had to age the younger daughter, and um. And and it didn't really work that well. She kind of got, uh, Jen, uh, you know, uh, her storylines in, in the last the last few seasons of Family Ties were were a little mad. The same thing happened with Ben Seaver on Growing Pains. He'd show up every once in a while, but it was obvious that things were getting very very awkward. Um. The only times I've seen this done well are are in Roseanne. um, And I'm blanking on the other show. Shit. They kind of did it on the Cosby show with Rudy, but even then... I'd say Who's the Boss did it pretty decently with Alyssa Milano, but maybe that's because... Alyssa Milano... Is is like puberty for half my generation, especially those of us who grew up on Long Island. Um, man, I'm getting a cold or something. Um, all right, so but but with Darlene, they made her into kind of a an art student, an art an art geek, and she was dating David, who was the brother of the guy who her sister ran off with, and they were creating a comic book. And they would subtly put if you, if you look at a lot of the backgrounds of uh, episodes of Roseanne from that time, they must have been doing something. I think they were. I think they were distributed by Warner Brothers. So there were. Some subtle vertigo references here and there, subtle D C references, and not like in the sort of crazy product placement and stuff, but it it was the sort of they were just making this comic and at one point I believe it was that you know, DJ got a hold of it and got caught within the school and it was like crazy underground it was it was tits and ass and what have you, but um I liked that because it wasn't um Poking fun at them, they were just kind of Dutch. They were, they were just kind of a couple of geeks who were into making a comic and, and what have you. And I and I challenge anybody to do something like that, where you write a story, a movie, a TV show, where you have the nerd side of life, and it's not lampooning it or using. It. You could do satire, you could do parody all you want because it's it's fun. Because the comic guy on The Simpsons comic book guy I've, I've always enjoyed the character but it's satire and it's meant to be satire what I've seen from the Big Bang Theory is like like alright I've seen Revenge of the Nerds <laughs> you know like Revenge of the Nerds did it better it's just somebody saw Revenge of the Nerds and went and said okay we'll do this but we'll just update it cause you know it's that's what it is and I like Revenge of the Nerds, but there's a whole other reason I like Revenge of the Nerds. Anyway, uh, moving on. Uh, didn't intend to get off on Roseanne. Get off on a tangent about Roseanne. Anyway. Uh, uh, one thing I did wrap up, finally, after so many years... Is Smallville. Um, let me go back to what I had. Um, I started... This show started out, what, like in 2000, 2001. And I had taped a couple episodes, but it, it was on against something else I've been watching, and at the time I couldn't, you know, watch it. I didn't have a DVR at the time, and my VCR, um, I, I couldn't always remember to tape it, and what have you, so uh, I never really watched it, a couple of people said, have you been watching the show, and and I remember saying no, and whatnot, and it was a couple years later that um, my in-laws had the first few seasons on DVD, so I borrowed them, and caught up really quickly and I was like, well, I'm really enjoying this. It was it was WB. So I was like, I, I knew what it was going to be going in. I, I'd read enough about it. And over the course of each season, I didn't pick up watching it because, A, I wanted to catch up before I actually would have sat down and watched it um, in real time, so to speak. And I didn't feel like taping it or uh, or what have you. So what I would do was after about season five or so when I finally caught up to the point where where there were no more DVDs to watch I would simply wait until that season had finished and then when the DVDs came out either borrow them from somebody who had them or rent them off of Netflix so I finally made my way through season 10 uh, and um, as of the beginning of this podcast uh, the first episode of Pop Culture Affidavid I had been um, I had done seasons 1 through 9 and I was about halfway through season 10 and uh, over the course of the last couple of months I had the final disc the blue, it was a blu-ray at this point of season 10 and decided rented from Netflix I had to get it back because I needed something for work so I was like well I was home one day for some reason um, or I think my wife was away on business so I was free that night and I sat down and I watched it, and I watched it all the way through the end, and <sighs> Havamy says that they really should have ended things with season nine, given you a finale with season nine that put him at the end of the whole General Azad thing in the suit a- a- and done that. Um because there were some now there was some fun stuff in season ten. Uh But, I I just, if parts of it felt tacked on, parts of it felt that season 10 was stretching itself out to be a full season, and then, despite all that, the finale felt like it wrapped too quickly. Like they rushed way through too much, and they relied on a trope of series finales that I freaking hate, which is the flashback there are finales of entire of shows that are basically clip shows um growing pains which i already mentioned did this i think that 70s show did this like let's sit around and remember instead of actually having a plot actually having a story let's sit around and do the finale as a clip show and i fucking hate that um you know they they and they did both they did a main plot and what have you but they would do these flashbacks and what have you and it was just like oh my god um I guess spoilers for those who haven't seen it, um, you know, they get him into the suit, he, he faces off against Darkseid, who at that point had possessed Lionel Luthor. And he's he married he he almost marries Lois, but Oliver almost you know, Chloe prevents Oliver from taking away his powers with Gold K at the wedding. Um because Oliver had been possessed at that point and that was done pretty well. I always like seeing Chloe Sullivan. I, I'm a Chloe Sullivan fan. What can I say? Um, I loved Eric Durant as Lois Lane. She was a great way to do the version of Lois Lane that I love. I love the Army Brat Lois Lane. I love that Sam Lane is her father and and that because it it makes her. I just love the toughness of it and and and. and, and not that you need that in order to have a scrappy woman like Lois Lane is but or a resourceful woman like Lois Lane is but i don't know i just like the fact that Lois can kind of be a badass um and Erica Durance, aside from the fact that she's gorgeous is is a was a great was great in the role Tom Welling uh, you know i thought Tom Welling made a pretty good Clark Kent i mean he's he's alright you know he he's he for what he did over 10 seasons he was he was good in the role he looked good in the role um putting the suit on at the end you know, they have this confrontation that they're building up where Dark Sides coming, Dark Sides coming and it's like it's over before it feels like it begins. I, I was hoping for something along the lines of what we would get in like the animated series like The Justice League, the end of Justice League Unlimited where it's Superman and Dark Side and it's just a throwdown and I just I I I wanted that. The moving planets thing, the pushing apocalypse away, yeah I get that it's this sort of epic and here's this man and he comes and he's the beacon of, of hope to us all because they've done the blur thing into the ground and what have you so I get that. I would have liked to see less than far away shots of a computer generated Superman I mean, maybe they didn't have the budget. Maybe Welling was just being bitchy about putting on the suit. I don't know. I don't really care. But in the context of the whole thing, it it left me a little bit unsatisfied. The other thing that kind of annoyed me was not the fact that they brought back Lex Luthor, because they'd done that before. They'd saved Luthor's brain in the comics. But that what they did was left the show having established the comic book status quo. They left it with Luther being elected president, which, you know, you don't know where that's going, although I know that there's a season 11 in the comics, and maybe I'll pick those up when I want to get the chance. Um, but, like, Luther didn't know he was Superman anymore. And Clark Lewis, for some reason, called off the engagement for seven years... Uh, Chloe was gone. Jimmy Olsen had returned to being the actual Jimmy Olson that we know, um, as opposed to the one who was his brother who had been killed or something. And um, and and in all honesty, as as much as I like Lex and I like Michael Rosenbaum and the idea that that would be kind of a dynamic going forward, even though the show had been canceled, I got to tell you, I really did like tech- I liked Tess Mercer, and it sucked to see her killed off because i thought Cassidy freeman was a, was really good and and i thought the the fact that she obviously struggled with a lot of things throughout that whole uh arc that she had I thought that was one of the stronger things of the show. Now, I might be talking out of my ass here, and I might be, you know, completely wrong, according to people who are really more hardcore fans of the show, but as somebody who was just kind of a casual watcher who, you know, didn't sit there and critique everything, um, you know, there, there were things that, yes, I loved, I, you know, I, I really liked Superman comics, and I liked the, I like kind of the status quo they had, but I liked the fact that Smallville was kind of establishing its own thing, and I felt that it kind of, it took away from it a little bit to, to establish what we'd always known as Superman at the end. Like, you know, kind of, okay, here are the other pieces and, you know, don't worry, what have you. Because um, it was almost like they took an eraser to it all. So, but at the same time, I'm glad I got through it. I'm glad I saw the whole thing eventually and 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 ultimately did enjoy it. Um, other than that, on television, uh the usual reality show shit, uh, a lot of Project Runway, a lot of Top Chef, uh, we've only got one TV in the house, so, so we watch a lot of this stuff. I have an odd PBS habit, by the way. I DVR the American experience a lot, <laughs> and, uh, I actually watched Ken Burns's Dust Bowl documentary uh, a while back, um, right around the time I was actually listening to Thomas DJ and, uh, Derek Ferguson do uh the Better in the Dark documentary show which you if you go uh go listen to that because they they recommend some great 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 documentaries uh they were recommending these the 30 for 30 series sports documentaries f- from ESPN and the one that I watched just after cuz I cuz they're available for a lot of them are available for streaming on Netflix and the one that I watched after that Uh, after listening to that that my wife and I both enjoyed which was the Bo Jackson one because we were in junior high school or early high school when Bo Jackson was Bo Jackson and uh, that was really really fun to watch there's a couple other ones but Ken Burns did this four hour thing and Ken Burns is the long form documentary guy and, and I'm hot and cold on him he's got stuff that is really great and he's got stuff like I mean no offense and I know there are a lot of people out there who really really like um, baseball, for instance. That bored the ever loving fuck out of me when i was in high school i tried watching it it was just like and there were parts of it that were fascinating and then there were parts of it were like uh so maybe i should go back and rewatch baseball because it's been almost a good 20 years since i watched it i never really got into the civil war and some of his other stuff i never really got into but i saw this in the dust bowl and i was like well i haven't i loved the grapes of wrath and i have an interest in in this sort of history and i'm like well i'll watch it and it was fascinating it was heartbreaking at times um it really was uh, eye opening because you know you you don't learn much about the dust bowl i don't remember learning about much about this during the depression and the depression other than it happened and they kind of gave a description that people were people were devastated by it but you didn't get you know being that my high school and junior high school history classes were just an overview of history cuz you're, cuz you're cramming so much into such a short amount of time Digging down and looking at the individual stories of people who who survived this uh, proved to be uh, incredibly fascinating and incredibly moving at some point. So, I recommend that. Uh, Movies that I've seen um, recently, uh, I watched Under the Red Hood and and enjoyed that. Um, I liked that they put Nightwing in there, I, I liked that, I thought it was pretty well done. Uh, for for Jason Toppies. I never really read that storyline I think I read bits and pieces of it when it was first out so it was it was, uh, it was fun um, I'm enjoying the DC animated universe the more adult DC animated universe stuff um, I'm gonna go rent the Wonder Woman one because I've heard good things about that I will probably rent new frontier but I want to go back and reread new Frontier because it's been a long time and I need to get that in trade because I sold my copies of it years ago and andy and michael over at hey kids comics did a wonderful episode or two on it i finally got around to seeing the dark knight rises i'm my opinion on the nolan films i went and watched batman begins and batman and the dark knight um over again uh before i saw dark knight rises and i actually saw dark knight rises for free because Comcast at one point had screwed something up regarding my bill and when they corrected it um, they sent me coupons for free pay-per-view movies and so I used one of them to to, to watch Dark Knight Rises because Netflix wasn't getting it for a while. I've been hot and cold on the Nolan films. Batman Begins I thought was necessary because Batman and Robin had been such a piece of horse crap Um, but Batman Begins I thought was a solid solid movie. I agree with those who say that that they explain too much of his technology sometimes. Like I, I get that in the scenes where Lucius Fox is explaining to Bruce Wayne how everything works and why everything is the way it is, it's supposed to have that sort of James Bond meeting with Q type of feel. But those scenes were always kind of whimsical. And they always had this sort of cool gadgetry, but like Morgan Freeman explaining the 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 grade of Kevlar on the suit, like I don't need to know that, you know, like duh, I don't know, but um there were things that I thought were done well with the character, not big fan of the gravelly voice Christian Bale thing uh Ledger's Joker in Dark Knight was at sometimes good, sometimes bad. I actually thought he was. I thought he 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 did a lot for that movie, and I think he deserved the Oscar. Aaron Eckhart's Two Face, though, I just I think I've said it before. It seemed once again they 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 fucked that character up. It's there's so much of Harvey Dent and Two Face that could really be explored, and with Tommy Lee Jones in Batman Forever, uh, they just. I don't know what they thought they were doing with that time around. They just made him kind of just almost like TV show ish, and this time around it was like they were it was almost like they were so obsessed with the makeup job they did or whatever they did to make him look like Two Face that they never developed the split personality that Harvey has. You know, it was just it was I don't know. I get the whole martyr thing about him and all that, but you know. But anyway, for those of you who haven't seen the Dark Knight Rises, um, I will put a spoiler alert here uh, because there's two things in there that that need to be addressed. So so you can skip ahead maybe five ten minutes. Joseph Gordon Levitt as um, uh, a character that at the end they say and I'm going to save this a little more of this for for Taking Flight. Uh, but the little Robin reference annoyed me, um, and then the fact that they had Marion Cotillard's character be and it basically turned into a revenge flick. Uh, I expected more out of Italia. I like the character in the comic. I like, again, I like the whole idea of a foil for Bruce and Raj Agul. Um, even if he's dead. Although he has a Lazarus pit, but they didn't, you know. Again, they... they. I just, I, I felt that it, it was... Too much, or it was a reveal that it didn't need to happen. Bane was done very well, but I hated the way he was taken out. Um, I will say, though, that the No Man's Land portion of the movie, where Joseph Gordon Levitt's character is kind of being the underground, the leader of this underground, and, and you've got you know, Gordon doing what he can with Gordon, and eventually. Um, that leads up to this confrontation in the steps of City Hall, that leads up to him freeing every police officer in the city and then having them just all march in this wall of blue toward the villains, not caring if they get taken out and what have you. That kicked ass. I was, I was like, yeah, I was rooting for the good guys then. I thought it was ridiculous that they would have that many cops go after what was going on in the first place, but, you know, Suspension of Disbelief being what it is. But it, it was a little bit of a bloated movie. It wasn't as bad as, say, Batman Forever, which I'm not a big fan of. It wasn't as... It wasn't as mixed up as Superman 3 was. I guess I would equate it to sort of a Return of the Jedi, where it's there are there are parts that go on for too long parts of it that feel like a letdown but parts of it that I really really love um so that that's it on that um yeah and otherwise uh you know I'm looking forward to Man of Steel I'm looking forward to Iron Man 3 uh looking forward to uh seeing what they do in the new X-Men movie kind of looking forward to that Wolverine movie too so there's there's things and the funny thing is is I still have to see G.I. Joe The Rise of Cobra but because I just haven't had the time to sit down and watch it and I probably will but I kind of want to see this sequel even though the sequel has been in the can for like a year so it must not be very good but I don't know I keep seeing the clips for Retaliation or Retribution or whatever it's called I'm like I don't know this looks like it's going to be nice and cheesy and I want to watch it just for the G.I. Joe of it all Um so maybe I'll get around to that. Uh, in the realm of comics, and in the realm of books, um, I've read some great stuff. Uh, Books-wise, the one geek thing that I did get for Christmas as far as uh, books are concerned was uh, the, Om- the Star Wars A Long Time Ago Omnibus Volume 4, uh, which has in it the tail end of the era between Empire and Jedi and the entire Return of the Jedi adaptation and the first few issues post-Jedi. The whole reason I started buying these was because of the Two True Freaks Star Wars Monthly Monday podcast. Uh, I picked up a random episode of that at one point. They were doing one of the Star Wars Marvel stuff and I was like, oh, I remember reading a couple issues of these. Started to get hooked to the podcast. Once I found out that they had been reprinted in these on the buses or on the buy, I... Threw them up on my Amazon wish list and got. uh, I've gotten all of them for like my birthday and Christmas and what have you. So I'm up to number five is where they are right now. They're in the middle of what's collected. Number five, they have another one coming out that's kind of the UK stuff and some of the random stuff that I probably will pick up. And I'm probably going to pick up the Infinities uh, Omnibus as well because uh, I've heard good things about that. And I'm a big. I like the alternate history. Idea of that—that that what if this and have? I, I've always been a sucker for a what if or an else world. So the idea of what if with Star Wars—it sounds like a pretty cool, cool thing. Um, a couple other things—I um, have—I have this huge. If I have a Netflix queue, I also have um, a Kindle queue. I have all these books in my Kindle, many of which because I still have my old school Kindle that I still read books on because uh, my eyes just work better with that when reading a book. Um, I have the second. Uh, Song of Fire and Ice book, A Clash of Kings, because I've read Game of Thrones, I've Clash of Kings that I still have not gotten around to. Um, I have a bunch of stuff that at one time was free for the Kindle because it was all that classic literature that was simply public domain. So I had picked up uh, I had picked up This Side of Paradise, which is an F. Scott Fitzgerald novel that is not The Great Gatsby. Uh, and This Side of Paradise was just a long... Um, had its moments I saw bits and pieces of the great Gatsby in there but I still love Gatsby not sure how I'm gonna feel about this Baz Lerman directed Gatsby movie by the way though I'm not a big Baz Luhrmann fan um I did not like Moulin Rouge at all I found Romeo and Juliet to be just a little overdone I really haven't seen any of his other stuff what else do I have? I've have Mary Shelley's *The Last Man* that I that I have to read uh, *The Lair of the White Worm*, which is Stoker. Uh, that's not Dracula. So I kind of bought the off titles, the title because I have Frankenstein, I have Dracula, I've read both. I'm like, well, I'll read something else by these authors. Um, and I have a couple other things that I, somewhere in there I have *War and Peace*. <laughs> so I'm going to try war, *Tolstoy* at one point. Uh, purchased books, though, that I had um, that I still have to read. One of them that I just finished was Zone 1. It was a zombie novel by Colson Whitehead. Um, it's It's got some great stuff to it, but it's almost like literary fiction zombie novel, so it's I I dare say it's pretentious at points. Um, it, it moves very slowly. It's very cerebral. Uh, and I think he's trying... He, it it loses its fun in places because it gets a little too philosophical. It's laid on a little thick. So it's almost like, you know... Um, it, 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 it falls into that trap of the... Almost like the comic book for the non-comic book crowd, even though it's prose. Um, and, and you know, I, I like that sort of stuff. I like literary stuff, but this seemed at points it's trying too hard. Uh, one that I do have to pick that I will recommend that I've got to pick up the second book for... Uh, Ju- Justin Cronin's The Passage uh, which I had in hardcover and I loaned it to my dad and I got my dad for Christmas the second book The Twelve which just came out and I've got to get a copy of that because I want to read that because I fucking love The Passage. Uh, the Passage slows down in the middle but once you get toward the end of that book that book picked up and it was really really freaking good so I was excited when The Twelve came out and i got to go buy it and I'll probably buy it next um, month once I get paid. Um, another book that I want to get that I haven't read uh, and I will definitely pick up as that Marvel The Untold Story. I've heard nothing but good things about it. it looked really interesting. Uh, I still have not read that Jack Kirby bio, um, which I'm probably going to try to pick up used because I think I was waiting for a paperback version and I don't think it ever came out in paperback. So uh, I'll try that. Um, what I do have, though, and what I can definitely recommend is a book from a couple of years ago. It's called I Want My MTV, An Oral History of MTV. It is a history, uh, very much in the format of a book like Live from New York, which was the Tom Shales Saturday Night Live oral history, or the ESPN or oral history. Some guys have all the fun. Which uh, Live from New York is very interesting up until a point where he's t- where they everybody seems to kiss Lauren Michaels' ass way too much. Um, ESPN is it, it's very boring, but this I want My MTV book, which is not written by Tom Shells, it's written by a couple other people, uh, does the whole history of MTV up until about 92-93. Because to them, 92-93 is kind of the end of MTV in its first incarnation, mainly kind of placing the beginning of the end of that network as everybody knew it uh were the kind of the 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 last sign that this that things were never going to be the same way again with the premiere of the real world which in looking back yes in many ways uh was definitely that but what they do with this book is they take you through the business side of mtv who was running things who was making the decisions how certain events came about um you know and who was doing drugs and who was sleeping with who and what have you and they talked to a lot of the personalities involved and a lot of the producers networking execs, and what have you which is the same thing that shells did with uh with espn but they intertwined it with essentially a history of music and music video in the 80s you'll get a whole chapter on specific music videos or specific types of music videos or specific bands told from the point of view of some of those artists um the video for Journey Separate Ways, for instance, which is one of the most unintentionally hilarious videos ever, is is talked about. The other vi- Journey video they talk about is Faithfully. Uh, the video for Billy Squire's um, Rock Me Tonight, which is in, in many circles considered the worst video ever made, gets its whole chapter. Uh, and then they talk about, you know, some of uh, the hair metal and some of the new wave stuff from the 80s. So it's almost like Running parallel to that is the history of music and music video from the 80s and early 90s, and it's that's what makes it such a fun, fun book to read. It's not just, oh, here's the business end of MTV, which there is. It's, here's all the crazy shit that went on with the artists and what have you and how this video was made. There's some great information about November Rain in the... uh in the, in the book and uh, I want to read a little bit because it kind of follows up what I actually explained something I was talking about when I talked about Estranged um, these are from Andy Morhan. These this is what Andy Morahan figures uh, talks about uh, in the book uh, when he's interviewed because they were talking about how how Stephanie Seymour and Axel Rose and how that factored into the videos with, with Don't Cry and, and what have you so Andy Morahan says we couldn't figure out what we were going to do with Slash in November Rain I said to him, would it be cool if you walked out of the church into a completely different environment? And He said, yeah, let's go to New Mexico and do that. So we did. Weirdly enough, Anton Corbyn was staying in the same hotel as us in New Mexico. I'd known Anton for a while, and I invited him to come to the shoot. After about a half hour, he said to me, Andy, this is incredible. You've got five cameras, cranes, helicopters, a big crew. Is this the whole video? I said, no, it's about 27 seconds of it. I've had calls from Sofia Coppola's people over the years asking to buy the original storyboards from November Rain. All three songs... Don't cry, November Rain and Estrange are overblown power ballads. And all three videos are crazy. It was like Spinal Tap with money. I still don't know to this day why in November Rain you only see half of Stephanie Seymour's face in the coffin. I think I explained that because I looked that up somewhere and somebody had said that it's supposed to imply why that she blew her own head off or something. Uh, Doug Goldstein, who I can't remember who that he is, I think he's an MTV exec. Axel jump says Axel jumping off the old tanker in a strange. That's got to be the most extravagant thing I've ever seen. Bill Bennett, a regular executive, says I got a notice at one w- at work one day that Sunset Boulevard was going to be closed all afternoon for a video and thought who the fuck would close down Sunset? Guns and Roses. That's who, for Estranged. Their videos were late, bloated, and expensive. The band was so big, they did whatever he wanted. Moraghan then says, By the time we got to Estranged, Axel had split up with Stephanie Seymour, and he said, I never want a girl in a video again. I'd rather go out with a dolphin, which is why I put dolphins all over the video. I've been asked by students about the metaphorical imagery in these videos, and I'm like, fuck if I know. I love that because I've always wondered why the hell there were dolphins all over that video. It's so bad. It is. I'm going to do... I may I, I may do a Strange the same way I did November Rain, although I don't have sheet music for it, so I couldn't play it, although maybe I could track it down. Because I love this song, actually. Um, but maybe one day. Uh, anyway, but I Want Mayhem TV It's a great, great thing, and that's a sample of it, how they got the inside story on some videos in a ditch, because you really want to see that. Uh, you want to read that, and I would recommend that book. Um, finally, getting down to reading and getting down to comics. Uh, what I'm reading, my pull list. I try to keep myself to about twenty-five or thirty bucks a month in comics, barring any trade paperback purchases I may have. Um, but let me talk about what uh, what I'm liking, what I'm warming up to a little bit, what's on the cusp, and some other stuff. Uh, what I'm really liking now. I really, I still really like Batwoman. Um, I, I've just enjoyed the the sort of action yet spooky film noir or even horror aspect of that title. It's the only one of the only bat books I'm buying. Uh, I'm also liking Demon Knights, although Paul Cornell is coming off of that title, so I'll give it a little while before I see what happens to it with the new creative team. But I really like that. I'm not a sword and sorcery guy, but I don't know for some reason that has just been an appealing. I, I've Somebody recommended the first issue right around the time the New 52 debuted. I'm like, I'll give it a shot, and I've really, really enjoyed it so far. Earth 2 and World's Finest. Um, there are people I've listened to on other podcasts who hate those books, uh, especially World's Finest, but I actually really like them. I don't know. Maybe I don't really care about the Power Girl shredded costume gag going on in Earth Two uh, in World's Finest. I don't know. Perez's art is not as good good as Maguire's on that which is actually surprising considering I love George Perez but um, I just I don't know I have a lot of fun with both titles um, I thought that Earth 2 came out of the gate swing I thought the Zero issue was outstanding um, I'm really looking forward to see where they go with these storylines um, despite their flaws and despite what I've heard other people say you know uh, how they don't how they don't like it and what have you I, I really do enjoy it uh, the Strain, which is a dark horse piece, it's based on a book by Guillermo Toro and somebody else. Uh, it's a vampire, uh, a vampire um, plague sort of, of book, horror book that Dark Horse has been putting out, which is uh, really good, and really scary, and I'm enjoying that. And Wonder Woman, I'm still I'm still hanging on to Wonder Woman because I'm still uh, even despite the way they've changed the story of the Amazons and despite a lot of objections to it. Um, i like what azarello's been doing i like his representation of some of the gods um it reminds me a little bit of american gods the neil gaiman novel which perhaps is 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 on purpose and i like i like cliff chang's art i like his wonder woman even though the costume's different from the classic costume i think it really works and I, i really really like her uh, as a character, and I've i was been a little hot and cold on Wonder Woman, between, depending on what's uh, been going on, and and I've enjoyed that. Um, I'm warming up to two titles put out by Image. One is a limited series uh, by Brian Wood called Mara, which is uh, a futuristic sci-fi thing uh, that has a superhero element to it. It's uh, the main character is like an athlete, and she. Kind of find out she has powers toward the end of the first issue, um, and I want to see where that's going to go. There's another ish, There's another series called the Manhattan Projects, which is this based on this premise of what if there wasn't just one Manhattan Project but there were several, and it's this sort of grand conspiracy theory, Illuminati type of of book uh, that is definitely sci-fi and and satire and humor that um the two or three issues that i have so far i've I've kind of found kind of fun i might have to go back and because i came in with like issue seven so i might have to go back and see what the other issues were were like nightwing is still kind of on the cusp um i've dropped teen titans altogether i never picked up the new 52 because i saw what scott Lobdell was going to (coughs) do um I looked at Red Hood and the Outlaws, and I went, "Are you fucking kidding me?" And I never picked it up either, uh, which is sad because it officially ends my collecting of Teen Titans comics. Um, I did stick with Nightwing. I'm gonna stick with it for a little while longer, but it hasn't really been turning, been rocking my world. It's just been like, all right, it's just kind of there. Um, I put the new Star Wars series on my pull list. I have not been to the comic shop in a couple of months, in a couple of weeks. Uh, I will be going probably the week after next or so, uh, in a week or two uh, after I get paid. So hopefully it's still in my folder and they haven't given it to somebody else. Um, I've been getting uh, kids' comics. My son, Brett, who's five years old, gets the Spider-Man Unlimited and the Superman Family Adventures books. And I really recommend even adults picking those up. They're really fun. They're fun in a way that a lot of comics haven't been and they're they're just there's a silliness to them but there's also this kind of classic superhero ness to them and and we have a lot of fun I- enjoying them uh and I know I'm going through this section a little bit fast but I've been talking for at least a good hour or so i am still uh, reading through trades i'm plugging along on the rest of what was blackest night i just don't always have the money to pick up trades and if i try to i try to find them for cheap when i can Uh, as far as the Blackest Night stuff goes, but um, I think what I'm going to do is collect the remaining of the Blackest Night trades that I need, read that whole thing, and end with Blackest Night because from what I've read about Brightest Day and the stuff that comes after Blackest Night, I'm like, I don't think I want to commit this far into Green Lantern. It but I do. But I had committed all the way up until what I had and I was like well I do really want to read this even though I know a lot about what actually happened and I have the Green Lantern core stuff but I don't have the main series trade I don't have the Green Lantern trade and I don't have uh, kind of the ancillary stuff so I'll be getting that at some point in the future I'm not in a rush uh, one series that I wait for the trade on purpose because I did this with his other series uh, and worked out is Rachel Rising Terry Moore i have the last maybe half of strangers in paradise um i've read the whole thing but i bought the last kind of ha when you know borrowed the first half from friends and then i bought borrowed the last half and really really liked it uh so i heard rachel rising was a completely different book it's a this sort of it's horror i don't know what it is it mean horror books lately but it is horror and it's really good i got the first trade uh, at a comic shop i was at uh, a few months ago and i think the second trade's out i'm gonna have to check when i get when i go for my books next time and see if it's and see what it costs but um that's one of those titles that that i i like terry more stuff in trade and uh and i'm definitely gonna get the next trade of that when i get the chance but i would really recommend that uh it's it was pretty scary um this girl comes back to life and kind of has to find out who killed her, and it goes a little bit beyond that. But um, there's something kind of possessing women to kill men, and uh, really in a spooky horror movie way that doesn't seem too cheesy. And I'm kind of starting to compile a list of trades where I kind of back off the single issues on some series and and, and see. And I might. And I'm I'm also kind of curious about some. Old, uh, you know, Superman, Batman trades, some old Spider-Man stuff, stuff I can get for cheap, stuff that's been collected in like essentials and showcases that I don't have to pay like an arm and a leg for. Um, I've heard so many people talk about old stories, especially from the '70s and '80s, uh, that I'm curious. I've never read them. I've I've read bits and pieces of them. I remember reading them years ago and forgetting them, and I want to pick them up again. Um, you know, for instance, like something I never actually read all of. The Alien Costume Saga, and I've always wanted that trade that came out in the late '80s, early '90s. Uh, so every once in a while, I put a bid on it if it shows up for cheap on eBay, uh, and usually get outbid. But I'll see. I've heard good things about DMZ, and the first couple of trades of that on my list. I, I never really got into The Walking Dead. I may. I'm, you know, I've tried to watch the TV show. It's good. I just couldn't really pull the trigger on committing and maybe I'll go back. I mean, it's DVD, so I can go back and look at that stuff. Um I'm going to go back and collect Northlanders in trade because I have the first ha- I have the about the last half of that series and it was sad when it ended because I really enjoyed that series. And uh you know, just I'm just going to kind of go about my thing and and what the only good thing that came out of the new 52 was that with everything starting over, I feel like I can kind ro- rotate titles in and out of what I read. And, and be more discriminating as opposed to feeling that I have to commit to a certain character or sets of characters because I've always been committed to those characters. Um, I'm kind of curious as to whether or not Superman and action comics are going to get good again with the change in creative teams. I started reading Superman when Dan Jurgens took the book over again and then stopped when he got off because stop- Labdell was taking over. But I've heard good things about the last couple of storylines and I'm like, well, maybe I should look into this or maybe I should wait for a trade. So again... Um, not that i expect a lot of people to be listening but if you've got recommendations for me of stuff i should pick up you know i, I kind of am all over the place i read everything from sort of the the <laughs> i read everything from the thing from like teen drama to to superheroes uh to horror and uh and i'm always looking for new stuff and i'm always looking to drop because i'm always looking to see if i could drop something or, or what have you um or just pick something up in, in, in trade because uh, i like i like I'm way more of a reader now than I'm a collector Uh, so the fact that I could have a beat up trade paperback copy of say something like The Alien Costume Saga or my beat to shit copy of Dark Knight Returns which a friend borrowed from me a couple years ago and still hasn't returned doesn't bother me now the last section of this episode, which is kind of uh, kind of a big thing, I don't know. It's what's coming up in 2013 for pop culture affidavit. Or I'm not making promises, but this is what I jotted down. Um, definitely more taking flight. In fact, um, recently talking to a couple of people who said they really liked the podcast. Um, I've decided I'm actually going to make it an ongoing. It was a quote-unquote mini-series that was originally going to run for 12 episodes, and then as I mapped it out, it ran for 30, so it was a limited series. But what I decided to do was take take my look of Dick Grayson and Tim Drake up through Prodigal, and then take a little break, and come back and do something very similar to what Mike Bailey does over at Bailey's Batman Podcast, where I do just kind of a random something on Robin every couple of weeks, a random comic, maybe an episode of a TV show, maybe something of a movie or or an animated thing or what have you. Um, And because there's one, two, three, four, five main Robins, Dick Grayson, Jason Todd, Tim Drake, Stephanie Brown, Damian Wayne. And then if you add to that Carrie Kelly helena wayne from the new version of earth 2 who was robin on that earth and various elseworlds iterations there's a lot of ground to cover there's a lot of different characters there's a lot of different interpretations so it's like well instead of committing myself to like one storyline and 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 because i don't actually have a lot of the comics anymore um that I would if I were doing like the Ongoing Robin and what have you. So I can bounce around. I can dive into the back issue bins at my local comic shop. I can go into trades that I have or stuff that I already have and pick up a random issue here and there If it's whether it's Titans or it's or it's Robin, or it's Batman and Robin, or it's the animated stuff, or it's or it's Dark Knight, or whatever, and do an episode that's 20, 30, 45 minutes long and, and and give it a little bit of attention. Maybe that will allow me to have the potential to actually have some guests because it would just be kind of random and I don't feel like I'm stuck to a format that I've been doing. So I'm going to continue along, and that'll it'll take me a few months to get to that point. So I'd say in the summer you'll kind of get Robin taking flight Phase 2, and that'll be kind of the ongoing thing. Uh, which, which I definitely think that, that I'm going to have a lot more, a lot of fun with because it's not going to be feel as restrictive. Um, I like what I'm doing here with the format, where it's kind of a free format with pop culture affidavit, where I can do things at random because it, it keeps it fresh for me, it makes me do things that I want to, and I don't feel like oh I have to do this. Now I'm not gonna, like I said, I'm not I kind of have another comics podcast in the works because a couple of years ago, the curiosity got the better of me. And I went to my LCS on the day that I was getting my comics, and I started diving into bins, and I grabbed the first 6 or 12 issues of the NOM, which they were giving me for cover price, so it was $0.75 cents a book, so it cost me about 10 or 10, 11 bucks uh, for these issues. And I was like, wow, this is really good. So I have the entire run of the series up until the last 3 or 4 issues, which have been a bitch to find and a bitch to find for cheap um and i'm gonna try to accumulate slowly over the course of the next um few months but i was like i kind of want I'm not, I'm not a war comic guy i'm not a war movie or a war novel guy but i was like i kind of want to start doing a podcast about the nom so i might actually guy it's still in the planning stages but it's something i was thinking about doing one issue of the nom each week or two weeks on a kind of a slow basis, review you know a synopsis review, a little bit about the letters and the ads, and maybe a couple special sto- special episodes here and there, because it's a fascinating piece of history to me, and the the book itself is great, and um, but uh, again, I have to sit down and put it together. Right now, the the time is just getting away from me to do that, um, so maybe later in the summer when I actually have a little more time on my hands. Another thing that um, I'm hoping to look to do is actually get, if I get myself on a really regular recording schedule with both podcasts that I have uh, making pop culture affidavit a bi-weekly thing as opposed to just a monthly thing. Again it'll take a few months to get there. I'm kind of in the middle of work deadline hell. But um, if I can go to twice a month that would be pretty cool because I I have a master list of topics that I I work off of for, for pop culture affidavit, the blog and the podcast. It's just this typed up list that I made when I just did a brain dump of everything I could think of, and I look at it like, well, that could be a podcast, that could be a blog entry, and I have this list, and I'm like, well, if I only do 12 a year, I'm kind of cheating myself out of a lot of stuff, but it takes a lot to put these together, so I thought, well, maybe later in the year, I can, if I can get enough in the can, I can do them every two weeks, so, so we'll see, so what I'll probably do is drop what I was doing um, for a while, and I really didn't do this episode, which is talk about what I did on the blog over the course of the last month because that way it allows me to put out whatever I want when I want. Um, uh, so I'm going to stop that feature. And if there's something that really, really, I really, really like and I really, really want to talk about that was on the blog, I will mention it, though. You know, I have ideas like Saved by the Bell's t- graduation episode is hitting its 20th anniversary. I really feel like I should do something about that. Uh, because that show, for some freaking reason, is like a high point of my adolescence. I don't know. It was just there. It's just always on. It was just... I can't ignore it. Um, And another thing that I'm I'm working on, and I'm hoping to get going, is titled Commentaries for Things That Don't Need Commentaries. I liked doing that November Rain video commentary. And I was like, ooh... I could look at some random crap, but as long as it's available for people like on YouTube and I can kind of post the link to my blog and stuff, I could do a commentary for it. So instead of sitting out and watching a movie, or maybe I could watch a movie and do a commentary for it. But I was like, oh, this will be fun. So look for that in the future as well as kind of regular feature. I've got some indie comics stuff uh, I want to do like a whole month on, on posts and, and a podcast about in, independent comic books that I've read and have enjoyed over the last um, few years here and there. Uh, and uh, I will hopefully, my plans are to return to the Baltimore Comic Con in, in September because George Perez is going to be there. And I might even get pay the extra money to get early bird passes so I can get in before the line opens. But the Baltimore Comic Con... And I'm definitely going to do something with that if, if because I'm, I'm planning on going and, and getting Perez and, and some other people to sign stuff. But I might actually concentrate this time around um, on less on getting creators to sign stuff and more on shopping, uh, especially if I only spend like a day or a few hours there. So um, and that's about it. Um, you know, it's 2018 uh, is shaping up to be a good year. There's a lot that I'm thinking of just personally and, and what have you. And uh and if everything works out the way I want it to, uh it's gonna be great. So um once again, thanks for listening. Uh I know you heard me ramble on about just ramble on, ramble on for the last hour and a half or so, um, but I and I didn't even play a trailer. Uh but um for somebody else so it's been all me but uh, I really appreciate you listening and have a uh, even though it's already been a month have a happy new year and uh, I will see you next month with something else completely random in uh, the world of pop culture you have reached the end of another episode of pop culture affidavit all music clips, or other material used in this podcast are the property of their respective copyright holders. And as this podcast is intended for entertainment and I make no money off of it, no infringement is intended. Clips, pictures, and show notes can be found at Pop Culture Affidavit, a blog where each week I take a look at a random thing in the world of popular culture and give my opinion as well as personal experience and memories I have with it, which is located at popcultureaffidavit.com. Feedback and other comments about this podcast can be sent by email to popcultureaffidavit at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and come back next time for some more pop culture randomness.